My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hi, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion into the hearts of people to spread God's love throughout the world. My name is Annie Lobert, and I am the founder of Destiny House and Dream House, recovery homes for women that have been sex trafficked in the Las Vegas area and beyond. What started as an outreach called Hookers for Jesus, yeah, I said it, Hookers for Jesus, it actually is based on Matthew 419. I will teach you how to fish for people. And what that meant to me was people that are drowning in the dark waters of sex trafficking, that we would take our boat, we would see people drowning, and we would pull them into the boat, take them up to the shore, dry them off and give them a safe space to live in, get them stabilized, let them start going to school, get them into therapy, and then finally them getting their own job and finally living on their own eventually and getting their own car, starting their own career and living a brand new life basically. This was inspired by my own story some of you might not know my story, but just briefly, I was trafficked in Las Vegas for almost 11 years. And I actually overdosed on cocaine on August 2nd, 2003. And I am proud to say that ever since that day, my life has never been the same. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not always been easy. I gave my life to Jesus because as a little girl, I knew when I was very young that he was the answer for all my problems, but I didn't have enough faith or enough trust in God to believe that he could provide all my needs. He could take care of me. He could love me just right where I was at. I had daddy issues. I ended up becoming promiscuous as a teen and I got raped for the first time when I was a teen. I got molested when I was a little girl. But then after I got raped as a teen, I went in total rebellion mode. Eventually met two pimps in a bar, went to Hawaii, sold myself for the first time in my life when I was a teenager, got back to Minnesota, quit all three of my jobs, and I found myself in Las Vegas being trafficked. Before the age of 21, in Las Vegas as a teenager being sex trafficked on the Las Vegas Strip. I'm here today because I not only survived, but I have thrived. And I have taken my life's tragedies, the worst things that could have destroyed me and killed me and taken me out forever. I've now taken them and turned them into beautiful masterpieces for God. The ministry that we have is just amazing. 20 years I've been working in advocacy to victims of trafficking. You guys, it didn't happen overnight. This was a process for me. When I first got out, I blamed everybody for my problems. 
I was mad. I would shift blame. I would make excuses for not getting better. I wouldn't put things back when I took them out somewhere. My house was a mess. I would pass people on the road and flip them off. Hey, I'm not saying I don't struggle thinking about doing that again. <laughs> Sometimes we all have issues, but I am going to say this to you is that when I read this certain story in the Bible, when I was healing, I literally was 38 years old. It's so funny because when I first got out of the second stint of trafficking, the first time was in 1998 and I was actually in my twenties. But then I started a business with one of my friends, the man that rescued me out of the industry that I met actually in the industry as a call girl. He taught me how to open up my own business, work on cars. It was a wonderful time of my life because I learned a lot about being a manager. And actually I was an operations manager of our business, but our business failed, unfortunately. And even though I had quit drugs, I eventually went back to drugs. I went back to the strip and I started working again, selling myself because I didn't have any value or worth. And I also didn't have Jesus as my center. I thought I could do it without Christ. I thought I could do my life and kind of just forget, tuck away what had happened to me, not deal with any of the pain, not deal with any of the abuse, not face any of the trauma. You guys, at that time in my life, I was having anxiety attacks. I would literally be driving my car and I had to pull over because I thought any second I'm going to die. Like I literally was like frozen in time. And every time I went to the hospital, the doctors would prescribe me Xanax. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand. I knew that something was wrong, but I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't realize at the time that I was getting triggered and that my body was actually reacting to trauma that I had pushed down into my soul to the very bottom of my feet for so many years of being called names, sexual abuse, rapes, coercive, abusive, abuse behavior from different traffickers, from men in my life that had purchased me, that bought me, that rented me like a coffee cup and then threw me away. I literally held everything back. I was the best disassociator that I ever met in my life. And what I mean by that is when you're going through a really hard time, even as a child, our brains have this wonderful capacity to disassociate. Your brain puts you somewhere else while the abuse is happening. And you pretend and imagine you're actually a princess somewhere or you're not being abused and this is just normal and just get over yourself and just be a good girl and be a good little actress, Fallon. That was my working name when I was in the industry. Be a good working girl, Fallon York. You're a sex symbol. Sell yourself well. Look beautiful. Smile when you walk in the room. Come on, move your body around. You know, make it wavy and shake a little bit. Make the men look at you. 
Show them you're in charge. That's what I call disassociation. And actually, when I got out of the sex industry itself, I was still disassociating just in different ways. I would put a fake smile on my face. I was very successful at running our business at the time, the automotive shop. I worked 10, 12, 16 hour days, didn't mind hard work, always was a hard worker. I mean, when I had my two traffickers, I worked every single day of the week. I barely took a day off because when I was being trafficked, that's what was expected of us. We weren't allowed to have holidays off. We weren't allowed to have a sick day. We weren't allowed to have a mental health day. Just go get the money, Fallon. Get that money and make me happy. You see, not only does abuse happen, hitting, yelling, kicking, raping, choking, stomping, pulling of the hair, hot water being thrown on the face, hot wax being thrown on the body, being stuck in a bathtub with a bunch of ice cubes, being burnt with curling irons. Not just that happens, but the loss of love is I think one of the most devastating things that I experienced was being threatened that nobody was going to love me anymore. My traffickers threatening me that if I didn't bring home the money, that I would never have sex with them again, that I would never get a hug from them again, that they would never kiss me again. To me, my friends, that was more devastating than being punched in the face and getting five different black guys, believe it or not. Doesn't that sound really sad? I was in such a state of unworthiness, self-hate, and I just didn't want to really be here anymore. And that's why I started doing drugs, because I wanted to just disappear. I didn't want my mind to think about what was really happening. And after a while, disassociation can only last so long. And I snapped. So one of the things I wanted to share with you today is when I first initially gave my life to Christ, I'm telling you something. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just be instantly fixed? Or someone could just wipe a magic wand and just clean everything up in our lives and clean up our mind and our hearts and our attitudes and all that and just make us perfect again like we were never hurt before. And then we have such a rosy, peachy attitude that life is just wonderful and it's just a bunch of roses and Disneyland and fairy tales and shopping sprees and any kind of food we want and fun adventures, traveling and beautiful, nice clothing, music and concerts and just things that make you happy. But my life wasn't like that. And I actually was kind of naughty. I had an attitude. I expected a lot from different people in my life. I got attitude a lot of the times. And it kind of reminds me of this man. In John 5, it talks about this man it says, soon another feast came around and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the sheep's gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool in Hebrew called Bethsetta with five alcoves, hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. Now I want to pause there. I think about myself. I think about 
being sick, maybe where you couldn't see it physically, but sick in my heart, sick in my mind and my body that no one could see, sick in my soul. I believed in Jesus. I forgave people that had hurt me, but I hadn't forgiven myself yet. I had a lot of issues, y'all. There were hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed in the alcoves. One man had been an invalid, catch this ready, my friends, for 38 years. Wow. Now, invalid is someone that can't move. Maybe they're paralyzed. They've been sick. They're in a wheelchair. They can't really get around. They're limping, maybe. They aren't able to use their arms and their legs like a normal person. It could even mean a different type of dysfunction handicap. For me, it was all my mind and my heart how broken I was. So when I read this story, I instantly thought about myself. And at the time when I got this mighty revelation, I was actually 38 years old, believe it or not says when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said, do you want to get well? Friends, do you want to get well? Annie, do I want to get well? The sick man said, or Annie said, or maybe You said, sir, mind you, he did not call him Jesus yet. He said, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. Jesus said, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. Wow. If you think about it, this story says so many different things. First of all, for 38 years, this man was stuck in this position. Can you imagine? I can. For 38 years. I was stuck hating myself. Yes, I had said Jesus' name. I knew he died for my sins. But I was stuck. Not loving myself. Not thinking I could make anything out of my life. I had ideas. I thought about doing ministry, but I didn't know if I was good enough yet for it. This is the thoughts that were going through my mind. And yes, I even did start ministry, even being in that state of mind. You guys, I wanted to help people. But sometimes, friends, when we help people, if we're not really ready, we can actually harm more than we can help. Because we're not ready. We're not ready to face the hardships and the trials and the tribulations that come with running a full-time ministry. Yeah, and to be honest with you, Back then, I am telling you, this was so new 
sex trafficking wasn't even on the map yet. We weren't really calling it sex trafficking back then. I considered myself an ex-prostitute. I was an ex-hoe, had a pimp. No big deal, right? He abused me, okay. Took my money, okay. Hit me, okay. He raped me, good, whatever. That's not a really big deal. That was a choice I made. That's what I thought anyway. I believed all the things that happened to me was my fault. I self-blamed. I pointed the finger at myself. I kept asking God, please forgive me. This is my fault. I chose this relationship. But see, choice is not really true when it's coerced. You may think you're making a choice, but when you're being forced to do something against your will, let's make an example. When I was being trafficked, I was told if I didn't make money, come home with the big trap, that, that's what they called it, a trap, a, a rack stack of money for my trafficker. I wasn't allowed to come home. And if I did come home without that money, I would most certainly lose attention he would ignore me, or he would be so mad he would hit me and beat me. That's what my relationship was. And I believe that was a choice because you know what? There was a door. I could walk right out. Actually, I tried that and that didn't work. I got beat down. I was threatened with guns, guns to my face, guns in my mouth. If you leave, I'll kill you. And I had seen him do very, very wicked things to other people. And I believed him. He was a very violent man. It's what you call a gorilla pimp. But if you think about this man that I just read about in the Bible in John 5, how he made an excuse that there were people in front of him that got in his way of getting healed. And yeah, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had an attitude. I was like, you know, I, I'm not good enough. You know, I know Jesus has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself for the choices I made. When I realized that my lifestyle that I was in, that I was stuck in, that I was trapped in, that I was coerced in, that I was forced to do, when I realized that it wasn't a choice, wow. What a revelation. That was my pool of Bethesda. That was my pick up my mat, go walk into the pool and get healed. When I realized that I needed to forgive myself, when I realized to stop my attitude and to stop my entitlement, and, and I used to do this, my friends, I used to say, well, uh, the reason why I'm upset right now and getting triggered, I'm getting triggered. You know, I use that word trigger a lot. And it happens when we're healing from trauma. It's, it's very normal. It's part of the healing process. But my friends, I stayed stuck there for a little time. And sometimes for me, it felt like a longer time than was necessary. Okay. And in our state of being a human, sometimes we can still stay stuck in that place of self-hurt, self-pain, and push people away and blame situations on, well, look what they did. It's their fault and not take ownership that we're actually triggering ourselves because we don't forgive ourselves and we don't think we're worthy enough.
I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but I'm hoping that you needed to hear this message today. I was that person and I have to watch myself and guard myself to not act entitled or blame all my issues on trauma. Well, I can't get a job because I get triggered if I work in that atmosphere. Well, you can't treat me like this because you're going to trigger me out. You're going to make me cry. Are you going to make me feel a certain type of way? And I need to be treated real special and dainty like. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Our society is repeatedly acting like everything's offending them. They're offended at the littlest thing, waiting in line for five extra minutes, getting mad about that, doing road rage, shooting people with guns because they passed them on the street with their car, like ridiculous things that make absolutely no sense because we're human and people are getting triggered. And not only that, they're learning it's okay to be triggered and it's okay to be in pain. It's okay to stay stuck there. Well, can I share with you, my friends? This is not healthy behavior. There has to be a point in our lives where we wake up, we stand up, we pick up our mat and we walk into that pool and we say, I'm taking ownership. I declare myself healed in Jesus name. I am not going to have this shift blame attitude anymore. I am not going to try to expect that I'm first in line. You better treat me like a queen. You know, you better give me that job because I'm a trauma survivor. I'm a trafficking survivor. Use that as an excuse to push people around and manipulate people. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is not a proper way to be. It doesn't do anything but prolong your pain and the healing and the counseling that you need to do. There needs to be a point where we are just like this man and we stop blaming other people for the way that we are, that we forgive and that we pick up our mat and we move on. Because listen, y'all, you can't move to the next level until you can start forgiving folks, right? Like Joyce Meyer says, new level, new devils. I would not have the ministry that I have right now and the housing that we have for victims of trafficking, even this television show, if I would stay stuck on my little mat saying, poor little Annie, well, if they wouldn't have abused me when I was a little girl, well, if that, you know, boy at school wouldn't have raped me, well, if he wouldn't have trafficked my heart first, well, if that trafficker hadn't stolen my identity and destroyed my credit. You guys, there comes to a point where the buck stops here. The only way it's going to get any better is if you go to your counselors, you get your therapy, you pull up your big girl pants, you pull up your big boy pants, and you decide to take ownership of all your actions and reactions, and you walk towards that pool, and you start getting better. It's not up to the counselor, my friends. It's not up to your pastor. It's not up to your mother and father. Are you still living with your mother and father, and you're in your late 30s? A late 20s even? 40s? Oh, don't let me start going there, okay? Y'all need to get a job. 
You can take care of yourself. It can't be that bad, okay? Don't get offended with what I'm saying to you because listen, I know I did it myself. I get it. I'm not perfect, but let me tell you something. I do not want to stay stuck laying on a mat, blaming everyone else in my life for everything that's going wrong. Oh, I could go on for hours and days about the things that have been done to me that I had to forgive people for. And I'll tell you what, maybe that'll be a part two in the future sometime soon, a part three, because my friends, I have been through a lot. And can I tell you, the people that I least expected to hurt me, of course, we expect a trafficker to hurt us, people in the game to hurt us, right? But not the clergy, not the church. Oh, yes, I have many tales about the church, but that's on another time. My whole point is this, my friends, we have to forgive. Jesus came to forgive our sins. Therefore, we need to forgive other people and most of all, ourselves. So I want to encourage you today. Take a look in the mirror. Tell yourself, I can do this. Maybe read John 5. Just pray and ask Jesus to forgive you. And I'm telling you, he will. He already has. Get your life back on track. Jump in that pool and get healed, my friends. It's possible. You want to know why? I did it. And I know you can too. I love you, my friends. If you guys need any help, go to our website, pinkchair.org. And again, it's been great having you on today. Thank you so much for joining Annie's Pink Chair. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here? The peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees. This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. Hi, Annie Lobert here. And I talk a lot about my story and I relate it to a lot of the talks I have with my guests and my own little preaches that I do on this show. And I just wanted to inform you about my book that I wrote, this was my name when I was in the game, Fallon. My name was Fallon York, but this is Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. Super simple. Go to our website, pinkchair.org. You can get your own book. This reads like a movie, but not only that, my friends, this shows you what sex trafficking is in our own backyard, the United States. It also talks about the destiny house, a place and also the dream house where we bring our victims of trafficking to turn them into victors of trafficking, where they get trauma therapy, they get stabilized from their terrible abuses they've been through. And they have equine therapy, art therapy. They get their own personal trainer. You guys name it, they get it. They get new clothes, they're fed. And guess what? It's free, 100% free. That's why my friends, I need to ask you a big favor. We 
do nothing but donations to keep this place open. And we need your help right now. Would you please go to pinkchair.org and click on donate? We have two houses and three apartments. Thank you so much for donating to pinkchair.org. My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too.